right? Sometimes we take that pen and we add some chapters ourselves. So when I started looking at this, I started trying to think about what kind of chapters have I added? I think about some of the stupid things I might have done. And one of the number one I'm glad the teenagers aren't in here because sometimes I think we tell stories of when we were younger and they take that as bragging and they want to try to top that later on. But I was really bad about being kind of a prankster or kind of doing things as a kid. And I remember there was a summer that my parents, my dad is the chaplain for the Greenup County Fire Department or all of the ones in the fire in the, the county. And he took and had to go to this training and he took my two youngest siblings. My sister was living away from home at the time, my older sister, and my mom. They all decided to go to this training and left me at home for about four days by myself. I think I was 17 years old at the time. So I had a buddy of mine that decided he was going to come and stay with me, and we decided to get into some trouble. At this time, it was the political time, kind of like right now. So we decided that it was a local election and that we had a Democrat and a Republican like you always do. And at this time, a local doctor was running for office. So we thought it'd be hilarious to go and take all the opposing signs, take as many as we could steal, and stick it into the yard of his practice for the opposing person. First of all, let me tell you, that's illegal, okay? <laughs> this is in the very, this is not something that I really knew that was a big deal. So we're driving, we start picking these signs up one at a time, we'll sign here, we'll sign, oh, there's another one, stop right there, we're pulling, we're running away, and we're going, and so I said, look here, there's a bunch of these signs. Let's stop, grab about four or five, and we'll be done. So as I'm pulling these little signs up and putting them in the car, I look, and my friend that I'm with is taking and rocking back and forth one of those huge billboard signs that has the wooden post in the ground. And he's driving a Hyundai Sonata. So I don't know where he's planning on putting this thing. About this time, someone screams. They yell at us. They start chasing us, right? They follow us in the car. We're running away from them. And we decided we had already got caught, the police was already called. We went home. We hid and decided not to do and grow out with our plan. So I hid him in a closet that I thought no one ever went into. It was a big closet. I didn't think anybody ever went into it. And mom went to go get the Christmas decorations out. She called me and said, I need you to come home right now. Um, so I did. And it was funny. I was actually with the same friend. We pull up, start going down the road, and when we did, political signs put up in the yard, all the way up down through the yard. I knew that mom had found them. She knew what I had done, and she put them out there to let me know before I even got in the door what had happened. My friend let me off at the end of the road, turned around and drove away and left me for dead. <laughs> now, that would be a chapter of my life that I would consider to be stupidity, something that I added to myself. Do you think God wrote in, and when he created me, he knew that I was going to do these things and wrote into the story for me to break the law and do these things? The answer is no. That's something I did on my own, and that, that God, sometimes we take that pen away from God. Now, I know that might have been kind of a, a funny story, but it could also have been turned out really serious. You know, I could have gotten in a lot of trouble. That was breaking the law. There's lots of times we find ourselves writing chapters of disobedience, writing chapters of fear, writing chapters of doubt that God has no part of. God has no, has no um, interest in making our life this way, but we are the ones that add that chapter. So I believe Rahab's story started off bad, and that's why I believe she would say, let God 
write your story. Let God write your story because on your own, you're going to do stupid things. On your own, you're going to find yourself in doubt and fear. And on your own, you're going to feel like you're drowning and that your story, you're going to be like her. And you're going to look back and say, you know, I'm not happy with the way my story is going at this moment. What's so cool about the story that we read about of Rahab is that we also see that God searched for her to be in his story. And each and every one of you that's sitting here today can know that God has searched or is searching for you to be in his story. He searched for me. He, he's searching for you. You know, I mean, I remember being young and being called to minister and years and years and years passing before I ever did anything to it, before I, I knew I was called, but I didn't really try to go and, and, and proclaim being a minister. I didn't try to go and, and take part in that, but I knew that I was called. God had put that in plan. He had came looking for me and gave me that purpose and that calling, but I decided to keep a hold of the pen. I decided to continue to write the story, and, and, and my life suffered for that. At times, my marriage was suffering because of that, and I found myself in a spiritual rut to where I was going through the motions, and I was going to the same church, and I was, I was there, and people was getting blessed, and people seemed to, to be going through these spiritual highs, and I was still so low and couldn't figure out why I never could feel the hand of God and why I could never feel God moving inside of me. And the reason why is because I wasn't allowing him to write my story. I thought about this concept of giving God the pen. And I'll tell you one of my biggest pet peeves, one of the things that will instantly make me go from being okay to being angry like that is for someone to take something out of my hand. If I'm in the middle of doing something and someone just grabs it out of my hand, I cannot stand that. I had a family member who would try to show me something, try to do, like, you know, he's trying to teach you how to work, he's trying to teach you how to change the duel, and, oh, just give me that, you're not doing it right, you know, they just take it away from you, and they just... You know, that infuriates me instantly. And a lot of you know, like now I work with students. I have a job. I teach RTI at work on elementary. And I had this one student. Everybody, I think, has that one student. And you'll try to show him, this is how you do it. This is how the math problem goes. Let me show you. Oh, I got it now. Boom. Rips a pencil in my hand. And it's always wrong. No, let me show you. And he rips a pencil. Like, you know, every time, it's reoccurring. He thinks, oh, what, I get a little bit further, show him, oh, I got it now. Boom, rips a pencil out of my hand, tries to do it. And I think so many times we're like that with God. We think that we know so much more. We think that we get to a point that God shows us things. God reveals things. We allow God to have the pencil for just a moment. We allow God to have the pen for just a moment to write our story. But then once things start going good, we decide to take it back. And I think that's where we fail, that it's not just about letting God write our story and giving him the pen, but it's about letting him keep that pen. And I think that's the hardest part. So God searches. God searched for Rahab. I'm going to say Rehab. She lived in the wall of Jericho. That's what I like about this story, like, you can actually see how he searched. They actually inserted themselves into her life, into her house. That is the, the spot of all the wall they decided to go over was into her home. We see the story that Josh is leading, or Joshua is leading the nation of Israel. Moses is dead, and they decide they're going to reclaim the land. They're going to conquer Jericho, and they want to go and size it up first. So they send in some spies to look around. They go over the wall into, I'm going to say rehab again, Rahab's home. Joshua 2 and 1 says this. 
Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelites' camp at a guy, a grove, I don't know how you say that. He instructed them, so scout out the land on the other side of, jo- of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. So Rahab wasn't searching to be a part of God's story. God went searching for her. As I said, they put the place that they decided to enter in was her home, and, and God had been coming after her. This was his way of coming and inserting himself into her life. There's so many of us sitting here today, whether you, you don't know God, whether you do know God and you've been serving him for a while, he's still searching for you. He's still, there's something inside that he's wanting you to do. He's saying, give me the pen. He's standing here and he's knocking at your heart. You can feel him right now that you, you know that there's something inside that God's saying, let me write your story. We have this idea as Christians lots of times that we have to get ourselves put together before God can use us. And, and I think it's so funny that we say these things, we preach these things, but we don't always believe in ourselves that God is trying to tell us that he's looking for us and wanting to use us. John 15 and 16 says this. You, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I anointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Right there, it just tells us he didn't, we did not have to choose him, he chose us. He comes looking for us and he, he has a purpose and a calling on our life to go and produce lasting fruit. Lasting fruit meaning, meaning that something that you can give back to somebody, something that, that we can show the love of God, the works of God constantly, something that's not just for a season or just for a time, but something that can uh, glorify God for a lasting amount of time. So after, back to the story, after the guy spied out on the land, they came back to her and said, listen, we're going we're gonna to level with you a little bit. Here's our plan. We're, going to, we're coming back and we're going to destroy this town. We're going to destroy this city. Everybody here is going to die. This is what's going to happen. So what we need from you is to keep your mouth shut. Pretty much is what they're saying to her. And if you do, we will spare you. If you do as we say, we will spare you. You can see the rest of this in Joshua 2 and 17 through 21. And it says, before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath that we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you left us. And all your family members, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside this house. If they go out into the streets and are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on people inside this house, he will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, she replied, and she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. So he's saying, we're going to have you do this sign. If you hang this thing from the window, anybody in this house, I think it's very, uh, we can see, and we, I've heard it preached and taught before, the, the scarlet rope representing the blood, meaning that anything in here is saved and protected. 
Anything that's in this house, we will not touch. Everything else outside is destroyed. But if you betray us, you let them know that we're coming, or you do not go through with your side of the plan, you will be destroyed. So we know the story. We've heard it in Sunday school. We've sung the song. The walls came falling down, right? Except the wall of her house. And I think that's so cool to think about the structure of this whole town, the structure of this wall. It came crumbling to the ground besides the one corner, the one place that God promised. The one place that he's put in the plan that he wrote in the story that in the ingredients with her was standing. Why was the, the applied... As I said, it was the blood that, that kept her safe. I would believe that something Rahab would say to us is that God always makes a way. He always makes a way for you to be a part of his story. And, and he, that's exactly what he did here. He didn't just forgive her sins. He didn't just go into her life and save her and her family, and they become saved, and they became, but he was able to use her story. He made a way for her to become a part of his story. And I think lots of times we, that's what we're looking for. We think upon ourselves. We, we might say, you know, I don't like the way my story's been written. There's a way out. She had a way out. She didn't like the way her story was written. They told her what to do. She was able to be saved. And her, 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 the way out was through the salvation. I think that we got to understand that if we don't like the way our story is being written, there's a way out. And, and, and the, that way out is through Jesus, and that way is out through our salvation. We find ourselves saying, if I could just get another degree, if I had a, just a different life, if I could just get a different husband or a different spouse, or if I could just get all these different things and live out this fantasy that my life and my story would be different. And then reality is that God has placed a calling and has started writing your story a long time ago. And as long as you are in control of that story, as long as you decide that you are going to be in control of the pen and continue to write your story, it doesn't matter what of those things you accomplish. It doesn't matter how many promotions you get and what jobs you change and how many degrees you get. If you're not allowing God to be in control of your life, your story is still going to be dissatisfying. Your story is still going to be in, in a pit. It's still going to be in a place that you're going to look back and say, I don't know why. I've accomplished all the things I thought I wanted to accomplish. I found myself in these places that, that I could not continue to go anymore uh, on my own, but I can't find out why. And it's because we don't allow God to write our story. When you allow Jesus to change your life, that's when your life gets better. Romans 8 and 28 says this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So no matter what your story looks like right now, God can turn it around. Rahab thought that God just saved her and her family. Lots of times we think God, God just saves us from our sins. But in reality, he, did so, he does so much more. He was able to transform her through her story. He was able to not only save her from the situation, but use that and use her past and, and use that story to transform it. And she becomes one of the great grandmothers of Jesus. So I believe that one of the things she would tell us is that God's story always has a redemptive ending. If God's writing your story, all the stuff that you wrote on your own, 
all those chapters that, that we've done and put ourselves in these places, we can guarantee that God will turn that around and use it for his glory some way, somehow. He doesn't just want to forgive your sins. As I mentioned, he wants to give you a redemptive story. It's not the end of your journey. It's just the start. So watch this. We, we see Rahab's name mentioned again. After we leave the book of Joshua, we see her name mentioned again. And it's mentioned in Matthew and when he's given the lineage of Jesus. He mentions 42 fathers or grandfathers, however you want to put that, of Jesus. But he only mentions four grandmothers. So when we think about why did he insert these four women? Why did he think of all those other women? You know, like I said, 42 men. He picked four women. Matthew didn't really have a good reason or didn't say anything, didn't have a good story behind that. But Matthew 1 and 3 and 5 and 6, we'll go ahead and read it. It says this. Judah was the father of I don't even, P and Z, whose mother was Tamar, was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Simon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. So there we are. We'll stop there for a minute. So that's where we, he inserts there, the mother was Rahab. So he felt like it was important to let us know that. And Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed, and whose mother was Ruth. If you go down farther, it shows, it says, Jesus was the father of the king, or Jesse was the father of the king David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba. So right here we see these four women that he listed. We see uh, Tamar, which we know was a dark story, right? We know that this story had some, some dark meaning behind it. We see uh, Ruth. She wasn't even a Jew. She wasn't even a part. She was an outsider. So why would he use an outsider story? And, and, and why would he use somebody that wasn't even a part of the lineage and, and the, the heritage of being a Jew? We see Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. We all know that story. I think especially if you grew up in church as a teenage boy, we heard that story a hundred times of the temptation of the woman. You know, We hear all that. But David saw her bathing on the roof, and then David had her husband killed. Why these stories? Because I think through the, uh, the story of Tamar, he wanted you to know, God will forgive your darkest sin. Through Rahab, as we just you know, talked about this morning, God will use you regardless of your past. Through Ruth, God will not leave you Anyone, or God would not leave anyone out. Regardless if you're an outsider, regardless of your past, he will not leave you out. And through Bathsheba, God can heal any situation. God always has a redemptive ending. He could turn your story around the next time that you feel like that no matter what your situation is, the darkness behind it, the, the, when no matter what it is, the sin, the, 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 it looks like it's un realistic for you to come out of this hole. Remember the four grandmothers of Jesus. 
Remember where he brought all of them from and where he continues to bring them uh, through the stories we can continue to read and, and see the people's lives that was changed and the, and the people that can benefit. And when we read these and we do this series of trying to figure out how we can run our race, how we can go on and how we can continue to do these things and, and do this thing we call life by learning from their mistakes, their past, their story. I also think that she would want to tell us to, God invites you to be a part of his story. Join him. We have to stop resisting. God don't just take that pen. He don't just leave you out of the decision making. He doesn't leave you out of, he just don't just write this and say, okay, this is going to be your life. You know, you need to listen to me. He invites us to be a part of, of this story that he has on our life. He invites us to be a part of our story. we got to stop resisting. It's time to tell God you want to go all in. I think that's something that, that I've struggled with, and this is not just about a salvation thing. If you don't know God today, I think today is a great day to, to know and to understand that, that we have to go all in. We can't do it on our own. It takes God and his plan. John 8 and 12 says this. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Meaning that you don't have to walk in darkness as long as you listen to the calling of God and that you follow his plan. He is the light that brings, that pierces that darkness. He is the light that, that when we can't see through that darkness, we find ourselves in that darkness. It's him that takes us through. We got to stop writing our own story. Surrender control of your life. As I've said, it's God can turn your situation around in an instant. God can give, or I believe she would say, give your life to God. He could do more with it than you can. God wants to surprise you with his love, so accept it. I don't think that, that Rahab was expecting this salvation. I don't think she was expecting this, this turn in her life that, that God's love, we were sung about it a while ago, right? That we don't even understand that the, the perfect love of God, we can't comprehend with our mindset. We can't, our human thoughts, all we can focus on is our current situation and the things that we've done. It doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense to us as, as our fleshly minds how God's love can conquer everything. So he wants to surprise you with your love. I think, I think anybody would be surprised. I think Rahab was surprised how a prostitute can go from being in that situation and in that life into being the grandmother of Jesus. That no matter what God was able to use, we can see example time after time, Moses the stutter was able to deliver the people. He was a murderer, but God was able to use him to lead him out of Egypt. Why did God be able, was, was he able to use David, the adulterer, Paul, the murderer of Christians? We can go on and on and on of all these situations, all these places that, that God used these extraordinary situations and stories 
So no matter what your story is, there is nowhere the love of God can't reach. No matter where you find yourself at right now, there is nowhere the love of God can't reach. I find myself lots of times uh, before I was on staff and, and now that I'm on staff at a church and people understand that you're called in the ministry and the pastor, they want to ask you stuff a lot. They want to ask you your opinion and your advice about their lives and where they're at and their marriage and these things and, and, and you have to remind them now, there is some ministers that, that are counselors, but you have to remind them lots of times that I'm not a counselor. I can't give you a, a formula. I can't give you a, a pill. I can't give you all the answers. But I can give you one thing, and that's Jesus. I, can, I, I mean, it's not, salvation is not mine to give, but I can lead you to the one that has the answers. I can lead you to the one that can, that, that dissatisfaction of your life that you're feeling, I can lead you there if you will accept it. I think it's funny that one of the things you hear a lot of times is that God doesn't understand what I've been through. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16 says this. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest, ready to access the God, or to God, Ready access to God. Let us not let, the, let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our, rea- with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all in all, but the sin. So let's, so let's walk right up, on, or right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take mercy, accept the help. Basically, we got to understand and get in our mind, we got to stop trying to earn it. We have to stop trying to earn this love. We have to stop trying to earn our salvation because it's, in reality, we can't. It's not something that we can earn. It's something that he's trying to freely give to us to help us, to lead us and give us a, a more uh, uh, enriched life, a better life. God wants you to love others with your actions to serve him. And I think that would be another thing we would say and that Rahab would say, best moments in my life wasn't getting saved in that wall. The best moment in my life wasn't when, when the, the, what you would think would be an amazing story and what we know her for. And when we see her and it's lying down, it's, it's so, like that's the main story of her introduction into the Bible. That's not even where I would consider to be the best part of my life. It was being the great-grandmother of Jesus. God had a plan for my life. Once he fixed my story, he wanted to use it. Most of the time, it's, it, it's during your darkest time. Lots of times it's during those places that we're ashamed of. The Bible says that we're overcomer by what? Our testimony. So lots of times we have to embrace those things that we've been through. Lots of times we have to find ourselves in those situations that we can say that, you know what, I know at this place I was at my lowest. I know at this place in my life, this is, this is I can't, can't even explain 
the muck and the darkness that I experience, but God wants to use you to tell that story or wants to use the example of that story so that you can help those that are going through the same exact thing or worse or better. It doesn't matter. God can take that story and be able to, able to while you serve. If you talk to anybody here that serves, they can say, they'll tell you, it's one thing to get saved, right? We, we can all tell you about the time we got saved. We could tell you about the transformation that God gave us and, and the excitement and the joy. But when our story really started to take effect, when our story really tried to take a turn, and when our story really started to make sense that God was in control was when we began to serve. When we began to serve other people and we be able to give that example, God uses the darkness to bring the life to others. 1 John 3, 16 and 18. We know that real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and see a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? We have to be able to take our story that God turned around and talked to anyone that is willing to serve and anyone that's willing to, to hear it. They will tell you that, that, like I said, those that serve will tell you that's when the transformation really happens when they begin to serve. And lastly, I feel like that one of the last things she would say in talking to Rahab God signs his name to your story. So thank him. I think it's appropriate to end it on this, uh, uh, the, the idea of thankfulness. And you might think that it's hard in the situation that you're in right now. In the darkness that you're in right now, or in, in, the, in this part of your story of your life, it's hard to find something worthy to thank God for. One thing we, that we can read in the text, it says, in good times, in bad times, no matter what situation you're in, give God thanks. Give God thanksgiving. We have to be able to, to thank God for these times because it's going to be, if you accept Christ, if you allow him to, to give him give. Give him the pen to be able to write your story. People's lives are going to be transformed. Your life is going to be transformed. As they begin to play, everybody will stand. I'm just going to be real with you all today. I told Pastor J.W. last night, I said, I don't know what it is. I've studied. I've looked into things. I, I, I've really felt like the time. I made sure I got my Bible app out last night, listened to all those names I couldn't pronounce today, practiced them over and over so I'll be able to say it today in front of you. 
Even though I failed at that, I've been fought. I'm sure there's going to be people that's going to come and tell me how good, but I, I mean, people can tell that I mean that I have been fought with this message today. There's something that, that has been like a blocking when, when doing this and looking into this. But here's the reality. The message is still clear. Whether the delivery was right, whether, whether the wording was right, God said his word does not go out void. So I'm believing if it was just five minutes of something that I said that related to you, that God can change you today. And that through this series that, that was a, to me a couple of weeks ago, no matter what your status is, we believe here that you always have a next level. No matter if that means if you're on staff, whether you're the lead pastor as Pastor JW, if you're on staff and as associate pastor as me or Aaron, that God still has something more for you. And I had a tugging and a conviction on my heart. And that's why you've seen me at this altar. Because I knew God had something and it calls me into something. And, and no matter what the situation is, no matter where you're at in your story, the enemy's going to fill your head with thoughts. The enemy is going to, to give to you temptations and going to put things in your way. And there's going to be a darkness in your story that you can't understand why you can't overcome. And that the reality is because you're trying to overcome it. It's you that is trying to overcome it instead of allowing God to help you, lead you, and allow him to overcome it for you. So this morning when we go back and we look through this, this series... No matter which sermon that it is that spoke to you, whether it was Mary telling you not to miss your God moment today, whether it was Samson that was telling you not to be blinded by your own circumstances and by your own situation and accept the calling that God has placed upon your life, or Isaiah that, that was telling you that an encounter with God will change everything. I believe each and every one of you can have an encounter with God today. An encounter so strong that whatever that situation that you're going through, whatever mountain that is facing you, whatever storm is going on in your life, that God, an encounter with God, can make it disappear in, in just a second. Or today when we talked about Rahab. There's so many of you all today that, myself included, whether you know Christ, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today is a great day to allow God to give you that, to give God that pen, allow him to begin to write that story. I promise you, he's a better story writer than what you are. Are you satisfied with the story that you have? Are you satisfied with the life that you have by doing it on your own? Those of us that 
have accepted Christ, that continue to be like that kid that think we know everything and go a little ways and decide to take the pen back out of God's hand. I want to encourage you today to seek after him. That God, is there areas in my life that I continue to try to still write my story? Is there areas in my life that I continue to try to go, and you find yourself going right back the same old thing? You feel good on Sunday by the time it's back around the next time or the next week, you find yourself in the same situations and the same feeling. You can't understand why. Because we don't allow God to be in control of our lives. They were head bowed. They were eye closed. First, I want to ask you, if there's somebody that would say, you know, I don't really know Christ as my personal Savior. But I know one thing, that I'm sick of the life that I'm living. If an outsider looking in might see my life and think that I got it all together, that I have everything that's perfect and everything that it's, that in, in our thoughts of human mind and fleshly thoughts, that we look at ourselves and we see there's no reason why I shouldn't be happy. I got a great job. I got a family. I got, I got the house. I got the cars. But there's still something inside of me that's missing. I promise you I know the answer. And then for the rest of us that know who and have a relationship with Christ and but still find ourselves, once again, taking that pen, writing our own story. I want to encourage you today as well. I want to encourage you to, to seek God and, and to, to pray and ask, God, help me. Help me to give my life and my, the control of my life over to you. Let's pray. God, I thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you, God, for your, your presence that we felt, God, from the moment we walked in there. God, I understand that there's, there's things that gets in our way and there's thoughts and there's, there's things that trip us up, God, that might, that might uh, get in the way of what you're wanting to do, God. But right now, God, any distraction, any trick or, or lie or whisper of the enemy... God, we rebuke it right now in the name of Jesus. God, I ask that you just speak to your people today, God. God, I ask that those that don't know you, Lord, that they will, that they will accept you today, God. Or that they will just say that I need you. As a matter of fact, if you don't know Christ, just repeat after me, God, I, I'm a sinner and I need you. God, there are so many things in my life that I, that I try to do, and there are so many areas in my life that, that I need you to move in. God, today I give my life to you. I accept your salvation. I accept your love, your grace, your mercy that I might not deserve, God, but, but that you freely give, and I accept it today. Lord, I want that encounter that changes it all. God, 
God, I give you praise and glory and honor. God, I ask that you just be with those today, God, that need a touch from you. Lord, let them go today, and as we wrap up this series, God, that this, Lord, changes the outcome of their life. We speak peace, prosperity. God, whatever the trip up may be, God, we ask that you just intervene right now in the name of Jesus, God, where we surrender our life and control to you, God. We submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, God, to be able to be used by you, Lord. We give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name.